We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. The following podcast contains audio extracted from videos on the Harry Potter Theory YouTube channel. Hey everyone, welcome to another installment of Harry Potter Theory. Today, we're going to be discussing 10 things you missed in The Deathly Hallows Part 1. By the time The Deathly Hallows rolled into theatres, the general public was already well versed in the lore of the Harry Potter world, but even the most knowledgeable Potterheads were liable to miss some of the smallest details in the film. With nuanced decisions from filmmakers, as well as small callbacks to previous Potter books, there is plenty to unearth in The Deathly Hallows Part 1, and more than enough things you might have missed. Today, we'll take a look at this penultimate movie in the Harry Potter series and cover all the little things that might have passed you by. 10. Equus Poster By the time the Deathly Hallows went into production, Daniel Radcliffe had spent the better part of a decade working within J.K. Rowling's Wizarding World. But unlike many of his supporting cast, Radcliffe never really had the time to attempt any other type of production. While Alan Rickman and Rafe Fiennes had stretched their legs in theatre, television, and dramatic films, Daniel Radcliffe was still mostly known for his portrayal of the boy who lived. But in 2007, the thespian took a brief departure and joined the cast of the stage play Equus. Although it was quite the challenging performance, Radcliffe proved his worth and received worldwide acclaim for his acting. And in the Deathly Hallows Part 1, if you squint your eyes, you can make out a nod to the play in the diner scene. 9. Darker Logo As you've probably heard me mention before, one of the greatest ongoing easter eggs in the Harry Potter films is the continually transforming Warner Brothers logo. In the earliest films, the logo animation appeared in bright blue and gold colours, but by the time of the Deathly Hallows, all the colour had been sucked out, like it had received a Dementor's kiss. 8. Bill Weasley and Mad-Eye Moody are related Mad-Eye Moody made his first appearance in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Unbeknownst to viewers, the skilled sorcerer was actually locked up for most of the film. In his place, a Death Eater by the name of Barty Crouch Jr. assumed Moody's role as the new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. For a while, even Moody's closest associates at Hogwarts were fooled, but in the end, Harry Potter and his friends uncovered Crouch's secret. Now, you might not have known this, but the actor who portrayed Mad-Eye Moody was actually related to another cast member within the Wizarding World. If you take a second to think about it, you might actually figure it out on your own. But for those of you that can't quite figure it out, I'll tell you. Brendan Gleeson, the actor who portrayed Mad-Eye Moody, is actually the father of Domhnall Gleeson, who we saw take on the role of Bill Weasley in Deathly Hallows Part 1. 7. No Hedwig's Theme For most Potter films, the first few scenes are filled with a familiar sound, John Williams' score, and Deathly Hallows Part 1 is no different. But in this film's case, there was one small alteration to the playlist. 
Typically, when a Harry Potter movie begins, Hedwig's theme, or a variation of it, can be heard. But The Deathly Hallows Part 1 is darker, and more ominous in tone. Hedwig's theme was omitted, foreshadowing the heartbreaking story to come. 6. Hermione's hair gets longer and longer The Deathly Hallows brought a massive change to the lives of Harry Potter and his friends. No longer were they enrolled in school, and navigating their way through the complex world of exams and social outings. Instead, they were traversing the British countryside, on a mission to destroy the Horcruxes that Voldemort had hidden throughout the nation. Since Harry, Hermione, and Ron were focused on confronting the Dark Lord, they didn't bother to keep up with smaller tasks, and you can see that with Hermione's hair. Throughout the film, her locks grow longer and longer, a sign of just how many weeks the young wizards had been on the road. 5. Lucky Number 7 The number 7 is somewhat of a lucky number in the wizarding world. If we think back, there were 7 potters the night that Harry tried to escape from the Dursleys home. That alone doesn't seem so special, but you have to remember that 7 appeared in a number of other places. It was the number assigned to Harry when he assumed the role of captain on the Quidditch team, and perhaps, unluckily, it was the number of Horcruxes that Voldemort created. The decision to have 6 Potter decoys alongside the real Harry Potter continued the use of 7 in the series, and this wasn't a mistake. The number 7 was actually a special, magical number in the wizarding world. Bridget Wenlock, a 13th century witch and student of numbers, was the first to write a theorem that proved 7's magical properties, and it became the basis for wizarding arithmetic for centuries to come. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. I mean, if Wenlock's theorem was able to convince even the most stubborn dark wizard, like Lord Voldemort, then there must have been more than enough truth to her claim about Seven. 4. Originally, Harry Potter was going to be animated. Before Warner Brothers ever settled on creating a live-action version of Harry Potter, the studio bandied about the idea of creating an animated version. JK Rowling would famously fight against this proposal, but for the shortest moment, there was a chance that Daniel Radcliffe and all of his castmates would have never appeared on the silver screen. Perhaps partially in an ode to this concept, the story of the Peveril brothers wasn't shown in a flashback, like Dumbledore's first trip to Voldemort's orphanage. Instead, the filmmakers decided to portray the ancient tale through an animated sequence. 3. Luna wasn't supposed to dance One of the rare weddings during Harry Potter's time in the Wizarding World occurred during the Deathly Hallows Part 1. Ron's older brother, Bill, tied the knot with his fiancée, Fleur Delacour, in an elaborate ceremony. The nuptials included a who's who of Harry's allies, and one of the most familiar faces in the crowd was that of Luna Lovegood. At the wedding, Luna can be seen dancing around the floor, but that wasn't actually written into the script, and it wasn't actually instructed by director David Yates. Instead, that dance was something that Luna's actress, Ivana Lynch, came up with on the day of shooting. 2. Wormtail's death keeps Marauder's Map curse alive 
The creators of the Marauders map seem to have also created a strange curse as a side effect. You see, the creators wrote their names on the map in a very specific order. Remus Lupin, Peter Pettigrew, Sirius Black, and James Potter. Of course, they didn't write their true names on the map itself, but that was the order in which their nicknames were written. In the real world, the death of these map creators didn't seem to happen randomly, or at chance. Instead, each of the map's creators were killed in the opposite order in which their names were written. James passed first, during his fateful encounter with Lord Voldemort on Halloween night all those years ago, and Sirius Black met his demise during the battle at the Ministry of Magic when his body was thrown through the Veil of Death. In The Deathly Hallows Part 1, Peter Pettigrew died when Voldemort's silver hand strangled him, continuing the map's curse and leaving Remus Lupin as the last victim to fall. 1. Vern Troyer left The goblins of the Wizarding World were one of the most iconic creatures devised by J.K. Rowling. Far different than the goblins of other fictional worlds, Rowlings were tiny, cunning, and economically powerful. We most often saw the sentient creatures whenever Harry Potter visited Diagon Alley and traversed the complex path to Gringotts Wizarding Bank. There, Potter marveled at the hundreds of goblins working behind the clerk's counter, and the ones further in who managed the complex rail system. Of these goblins, the one most often portrayed on the silver screen was a devious troublemaker named Griphook. At first, this role was brought to life by American actor Vern Troyer, but years later, when the goblin was set to reappear in Deathly Hallows Part 1, the filmmakers decided to dip into their British acting pool and use Warwick Davis for this role as well. And there you have it, 10 things you might have missed in the Deathly Hallows Part 1. But even though we've covered a ton today, there's more to discover in the film. If you want to share anything you've found, be sure to leave it in the comments below. Between the actor who played Crab's unfortunate stint in jail, to the callback to Hermione's parents' relocation to Australia, there's a lot to uncover in the Deathly Hallows Part 1. And that's it for this video. If you enjoy the content, please be sure to like the video and subscribe to the channel. Until next time, remember, it does not do to dwell on dreams and forget to live.